Albans. The only place for local talk every morning with Kurt and Anthony. News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody, on this Monday morning. Happy President's Day, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here, and joining us in studio now, we're pleased to have Kyle Blake. He is the president of the Burlington Firefighters Association with us. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning, Anthony. Thank you for having me back again. Yeah, thanks for coming in this morning. Happy to do it. On uh, President's Day. It was great to have you with us last time and hear how, how you had been responding to the the many different things people in city hall park where people were calling and hear what hear the how many responses you've had to deal with there things just kind of out of control and by the way we've got a couple things we're going to get into which is endorsements and the and the public safety tax we will get into that but just real quickly before we do i know you had proposed some changes in the way you were going to deal with that has that been the changes have it been implemented and if so have you seen, of course, the colder weather kind of changes things too. So maybe, right. maybe you don't find out till springtime. But have you? Is it, did that have a chance to go into place and, and be implemented? And uh, It did. It did. Yeah, the community response team, uh, which is the CRT. Uh, people hear about it. It's two firefighters in a pickup truck responding to overdose or suspected overdose calls. Uh, that has been live, I think, since the last time we talked. City Council approved it. It's being paid for by opiate settlement money. Uh, voluntary overtime for our firefighters. The chief just gave a presentation at Comstat uh, a few weeks ago, and it showed that it it's had a, a, a fairly significant impact on the amount of overdoses that we're seeing. Uh, when that truck is not responding to overdoses, it's engaging with, with that population. They'll drive through City Hall Park. They'll go to down to the waterfront, the bike path, uh, handing out Narcan, handing out bandaging kits, with the goal of it being to reduce the dependency of that population on calling 911 when it becomes too much to handle. So I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but they did see a fairly significant decrease in overdoses. Can't just be attributed directly to the CRT, but it was a, a key component of it. So, And, and I, uh, one thing that you just mentioned, which I think is fitting, of course, but it's paid for with opioid settlement money. Correct, yeah. yeah so it, that was it, huge. And I think that was the intention for that money's use. And it's nice that we, you have a direct connection and you can see a benefit already. Not to mention the wear and tear on the regular equipment. I mean, yeah. when you roll, I think about that, you roll one of those big trucks yep. and those big ambulances yeah. every time. Every time you roll the pickup truck, it's saving a ton of expense on the other end. It is, and they're they're already out on the road driving around, so they could just they could already be there. And mm-hmm. sometimes they're they're being proactive. They're engaging with someone who hasn't overdosed yet. Yep. But they're they're giving them Narcan. They're talking to them a little bit and can maybe hopefully uh, prevent prevent that overdose. So uh, they're doing great work. They're still still going strong. Um, like Kurt said, the weather has definitely changed the. The environment that we're operating in, not as many people out on the streets, more in the shelters, but it's it's still doing great work. So, but the uh, so so far, what you've seen since that change was implemented, it, it has or was making a difference. Yeah, yeah, because it's a pilot program. Right? It is, it is a pilot program. I I forget exactly when it it's supposed to end, uh, but there are conversations about extending it further, either with the use of opiate settlement money or potentially partnering with the state on. Uh, 
a pilot program to see if it might work for other fire departments, municipalities, that type of stuff. So securing some money there. We're talking to Kyle Blake. He is the president of the Burlington Firefighters Association. If you have a question for Kyle, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888-414-0303. Um, Kyle, uh, I, I really feel like in terms of endorsements that this year more, at least in my opinion, more than any other year, the endorsements of uh, are, are making have are making and have made a difference already. You endorsed Joan Shannon, for example, in the caucus, along mm-hmm. with the police. Yep. Now two other unions have followed suit for Joan, and I really think it made a difference in the caucus. Um, and and your your endorsement extended out, and you're endorsing her for the general election as well. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, we just had a. Was it overwhelming? I mean, you guys get together. And you you hear from the candidates, right? Yep. Or if they agree to come, yep. and uh, was it an overwhelming like every almost everybody agreed? Or yeah, yeah, the overwhelming majority of the membership chose to endorse Joan Shannon, and this was a vote that we had prior to the caucus even being held, and it's that's something that we typically do not do. Uh, we usually wait to sort of see where the dust settles uh, between the parties. Uh, or within the party and then and then make a decision. But the membership felt very, very passionately that Joan Shannon is the right person for the job um, as a Demo- in the Democrat caucus and then also in the general election as well. So we are doubling down on Joan. Uh, we believe she can she has a realistic approach to solve some of the problems that we're facing within the city. Um, and that's that's super important to us, focusing on key local issues and being realistic with expectations and what we can ask from city employees, what we can ask from taxpayers and holding people accountable who, who don't want to play by the rules over and over again, I think is, is really what came into consideration for our endorsement of her. And uh, you just did not see, have not seen that in the other candidates. Not, not as much. Joan has a history of sort of sticking with her, her position and being realistic. And she's willing to work with us a lot as well. I mean, not saying that the other candidates wouldn't, uh, with us being a late, one of the four labor unions within the city, anybody in that office is going to sort of have to engage with, with the union, with contract negotiations and, and those types of things. But Joan has shown an overwhelming willingness to listen to the people who are out on the streets dealing with this type of stuff and also sort of have realistic expectations about what we can ask from employees and what we can uh, expect to be offering for services within the city. Now, Kyle, when you guys do an endorsement, Mm -hmm. um, it comes with a little bit more. It seems like you guys I've seen, I'm starting to see the yellow signs popping up around Mm -hmm. firefighters for Joan. Mm -hmm. Do you guys, do you guys, does it come with more than just the we're endorsing Joan Shannon? It really depends on the race, the candidate, the situation. With Joan and the mayor's race being so crucial uh, to the path forward for the city right now, we are we are trying to make our endorsement better known with those signs, um, going to events for her, talking to you guys about it as well. Those are those are things that we're trying to do because we believe that the city is at sort of a a, a fork in the road. And we have to pick which path to go. And BFFA uh, is 100% behind following Joan Shannon forward. And I don't expect you to talk about this because it's you, you can only obviously speak for your own union. But it's mm-hmm. been a bit of a surprise to me, I have to say, that uh, Joan has the endorsements of all the four major unions in the city, um, particularly when her opponent has been a union organizer. 
it's just been a bit of a surprise to me in some ways. I think it comes down to that piece that I, I talked about a little bit about realistic expectations for employees. I intended a, a Zoom meeting a while ago where there were librarians talking about having to go through the, the book stacks and find hypodermic needles Ooh. in the library. Yeah. That's something that like I expect to have to deal with that. Sure. Uh, the police expect to have to deal with that. Librarians don't expect to have to deal with that. And I think what we're asking, what the city is asking employees to have to sort of do and face, uh, they're willing to do it for the short term, but it can't be a long-term solution to expect librarians to be looking for hypodermic needles in the book stack. So, I'd say that it's probably why so many people feel that the difference is palpable in Burlington over the last however many years mm-hmm. from what we've seen before in the past. Yeah, it's uh, it's startling. I've been with the department now for nine and a half years, and just in the last probably three, it's been a very stark difference. Uh, Decker Towers is a is a perfect example of that. Uh, they had that news piece. I know you you interviewed mm-hmm. um, the the reporter that did that. Decker Towers has turned into something that is you have to go there to to really truly understand it, and it's it's scary. It's I feel horrible for the residents that live there long term. Mm. We're in and out of that building all the time. Um, those stairwells are straight out of a, a, a horror show at times when you walk through them with the trash, the needles, the human waste that is in there. It, it's, it, something needs to change drastically. It's a sad situation. Yeah. It's, it's a really sad situation at Decker Towers for sure. Yeah. And uh, hopefully everybody's putting their heads together and coming up with some solutions because that is very, that's almost, it's like a war zone. It It is. And I think one of the things that, you know, we constantly hear is the worry about some of the people perpetuating the issues within Burlington have been exposed to trauma in their life. And no one's trying to minimize that. Everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own truth. Everyone has their lived experiences. And a lot of them probably did suffer trauma. What my membership is having a hard time wrapping their heads around now is the trauma that's being inflicted on other vulnerable populations, on the city workers, on the rest of the community as a result of trying to uh, recognize and and um, be sympathetic to certain individuals' trauma. Uh, you just brought up something uh, I think that that's pretty critical, and a lot of folks don't realize that, and you see it on a daily basis. You feel for the people on the streets. You mm-hmm. feel for the homeless. You feel for the the people that are addicted. And yes, they probably a lot of them experience trauma. Yeah, but they're inflicting that trauma on even more vulnerable people. Correct. And and so we're we're really just building more people who are victims of trauma every day. Yeah, and that, and that's what when I say realistic approaches, I think that's really where that at a certain point there needs to be a level of accountability, and we have to stop the cycle that we seem to be stuck in right now. And so to go full circle with this, or to bring it back to where we started, that's why we endorse Joan Shannon because we believe that. Well, she does understand that there are needs within housing, within mental health services, substance use services. There's also a certain point where you have to draw a line and say, we can't keep giving second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, tenth chances. Yeah. And how just how critical of an election do you think this is, Kyle? And by the way, we're again, we're talking to Kyle Blake. He's the president of the Burlington Firefighters Association. If you have a question for him, give us a call, 888 um, Just how critical do you think this election is? I think we we probably mentioned this to you last time or asked you this last time, but do you see evidence that, and it does it, are you concerned that 
some people don't want to or want to go somewhere else because of the the issues that you're facing in Burlington sort of in an unprecedented fashion. Does it worry you that some people you may want to, may not want to stay? Are you talking about like, for the, with the firefighters? firefighters? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is a constant conversation that we have with the membership. Um, and it's a, it's a constant concern. Uh, some really good things have happened. An example, the CRT that's, that's significantly helped. Um, and the weather has sort of helped as well, but yeah, that is something that there's, that definitely weighs on the membership and it is a, a real conversation. I'll throw a plug out there. We're hiring right now. Oh, application process is open. Uh, it closes February 29th. If you or you know of anyone that, that wants to become a Burlington firefighter, apply, right? It is a great job. It is a truly great job. It can give you the most rewarding feeling uh, when you when you get to help people. And it's not, it's not all bad. Uh, it's tough right now, um, but our hope is, is that the city's going to sort of take a turn and, and we'll return to normalcy, and it's a wonderful job. So I'll just throw that out there. Just think about it. All right, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning, Kyle. First of all, thanks for your service to the, to the city. Uh, obviously, it's important work. I know you're not here to represent Joan's campaign, but I don't understand why she's waited 20 years to dust off solutions to Burlington's problems. She's been on the city council for all this time, and what does that say about her ability to lead and to bring along members of council? I mean, she's had a Democratic mayor for 20 years. So uh, I'm not critical of your decision to endorse her, but, you know, she's talking about holding people accountable, but she's running for mayor, not sheriff or state's attorney. So I I just don't understand. It seems a little hollow, some of what... um, Okay, let's ask Kyle. Uh, Kyle, these problems have really grown exponentially enormously haven't they just in the last years yeah i would say to answer the question that is something that we did consider uh there is the the claim that could be made that with her being around for so long that that she's part of the problem uh we don't feel that way we look at her voting record on some of the very key issues such as the choice to lower the amount of police officers that the department could hire where she stood firm by that uh, we look at a lot of the issues that we're facing right now and we look up the makeup of the council uh, and how it was structured uh, with the parties when a lot of these key decisions were made that sort of put us where we are now. Um, and I think the caller brings up a great point too. A single person cannot change policy within the city of Burlington. Um, even if Joan becomes mayor, she can't wave her a wand and all of a sudden everything gets better. It's going to take a lot of hard work. Um, but we believe with her being the point person, she can help sort of guide that process, but it's also going to take a city council that supports sort of what she's looking to do as well. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. Uh, thank you for your service, Kyle. Um, this, this, uh, just going back to what you said before that, you're happy that CRT has come into the picture here. What has CRT helped you with uh, the fire department? I'll wait and listen. Great question. Thank you. Uh, the CRT responds to calls for suspected overdoses or unresponsive patients, where in the past we would have been sending a fire truck and an ambulance. So it really helps reduce the call volume on our frontline suppression pieces and ambulances and allows them to stay available for other calls throughout the city. 
but if there aren't other calls taking place, it allows our members to do other things such as work on uh, training, uh, their continuing education for EMS, their fire related training, station maintenance, uh, apparatus maintenance and upkeep stuff that was not being able to be taken care of when we were running constantly to these suspected overdoses calls. So it's, it's freed up some time for us and it's reduced a call strain on our membership. Now, well, I was just going to comment. So it, it feels kind of almost like you're ahead of it as opposed to constantly playing catch up. A little bit. Yeah, it is a little bit more proactive, but it also helps us triage the calls where a lot of times we were showing up and it didn't warrant an ambulance or really anything other than someone just checking on the person. That's what the CRT does. Yep. And it doesn't affect uh, our other units abilities to be available to respond to calls. And Kyle, you mentioned uh, the next mayor will need a strong council behind them. Mm -hmm. uh, and, And that's sort of a great segue into some of your council endorsements. It seems like in the past you you do certain endorsements in certain races, but not all of them. How does that work? How do you decide which council races to endorse? Does it does it is it that candidates ask you to get to do an endorsement or how do you make those decisions? Uh, For the most part, we wait until a candidate reaches out to us. We don't go and solicit uh, candidates to say, hey, would you like our endorsement? A lot of these candidates uh, reach out to us um, and we have candidates from from all parties that will reach out to us and we'll set up meetings. We'll have discussions. Sometimes it is they come and speak to the entire membership. Sometimes they'll speak to the executive board. Um, but for the most part, it's it all comes from the candidate and they reach out. Our uh, ideology when it comes to endorsements is we want to make an endorsement that sort of speaks to us as a union and what our values are, right? Public safety, um, ensuring that employees are taken care of and protected. And right now, one of the things that we're focusing on is trying to return the city to to a vibrant nature where businesses are coming back in, tourists are wanting to come, and it's growing the the financial resources of the city because that's huge. Public safety takes up, I think, roughly 35% of the city's operating budget. That is a very big number. And public safety does not uh, bring in revenue. It is it is a money draw on the city. So any any candidate that's going to come in and try to help the city um, raise money through having more businesses come in, having more people want to come and have dinner here, buy things in Burlington, visit Burlington is huge for us because we understand the financial burden that the fire department and the police department put on, on the community. Um, but it is an essential service and we want to make sure that we can provide a high level of service. And so we want to work with candidates who, who are focused on doing just that, providing a high level of service, well, increasing other revenue means. And Kyle, do you think that uh, you make the connection between public safety taking up 35% of the budget, but at the same time that if we don't get a handle on the public safety issue, it's going to be tough to grow the economy and bring more businesses in and bring more tourists here to spend money and help grow our economy? Do yeah. you agree that if you don't fix that problem, the other ones are going to be tough to fix? That is a huge concern for the membership right now, is that if the city continues to sort of go in the direction it seems to be headed with the graffiti, um, the behavior that we're seeing, it being known for its open drug use, needles all over the ground, that people will just not want to come into the community and spend money. And when uh, currently the city's facing a $9 million budget deficit, which is, you know, troubling, what is fiscal year 26, 27, 28 going to look like? Like that's on the minds of the membership. 
Want to give us a quick rundown of the city council candidates yeah. that you're endorsing? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I sort of spoke to why we're looking to endorse people that we are. Uh, the first one I'll, I'll speak to is, uh, you know, Ben Travers, Ward 5. He's an incumbent. We endorsed him last time around. I think Ben has proven himself to be willing to work on tough issues, have a realistic approach to problem solving, um, but not sort of be my way or the highway. Uh, so Ben Ben earned our endorsement again. Um Another incumbent, uh, Ward 8, Hannah King, uh, she w- she won that special election when the, the individual that won sort of just vacated the city. Um, but Hannah, in her short time on the council, once again, I think, has proven that she's willing to lean in to tough issues, learn about them, get a good understanding of them, and make decisions based off of fact and, and not just emotion. And so she's really impressed us with her ability to think critically, engage with um, multiple shareholders, stakeholders in a problem. And so we're hoping that, especially in Ward 8, uh, that she can get the support of the longtime residents there, as well as the students, to understand that Burlington needs people like Hannah on the council to help bring it back around and, and grow it. Um, new, new candidates, uh, Jeff Hand up in Ward 1. Uh, had a good conversation with him. Um, he was kind of an easy one for us because of what he's speaking to, the public safety issue, and also focusing on key Burlington um, Burlington issues. The council has spent a lot of time on issues outside of Burlington. Um, they're important issues. We just don't, we need Burlington City Council to focus on Burlington. It, it's what keeps us employed. It's what keeps people safe, us safe, the community safe. Um, so Jeff, Jeff out of Ward One, and then also this is this is going to be breaking even for Evan right now because I haven't gotten a chance to let him know. But out in Ward Seven, uh, Evan Litwin uh, is, has earned our endorsement. We spent a lot of time talking with Evan, new new individual. He's running for uh, Ali's seat, um, but we think that he will be a great fit for the council. He's got some substance use um, history with uh, counseling and those types of things that he that I think will bring a, a good perspective to it, but he also sort of has that realistic approach about how we need to handle and tackle some of these key issues. All right, so those, I think it was four, right? Yep, yep. Jeff, Ben, Evan, and Hannah. They've earned the uh, Burlington Firefighters endorsement, and um, we're almost out of time, Kyle, but I do want to just, get, if you give me a minute on the city's uh, public safety, it's being called the public safety tax. Um, tell us why this is important, uh, but also it's out of time what's what's tricky. It's hard because... We're looking up in Montpelier. They're telling us that the school spending, you're looking at potentially a 20% property tax increase. We know Burlington can be expensive. We love Burlington, but it, it's, it's not easy sometimes. And at that same time, at the same year, there's it's it's been a few years, but there's a municipal tax increase at the same time, yep. which is just a tough one. Absolutely. And this is this is hard, I think, for anyone to come and say, like, hey, please, please vote to increase your taxes. Um I live in Essex. Uh, the the property tax, same issue we're facing there with the schools. Uh, that's a whole nother issue. Um, the public safety tax is pretty crucial for public safety in Burlington. It will. It's a three percent or a three cent increase, which is roughly a four percent increase on it. But it's estimated to generate, I think, like one point eight million dollars, which will shield. My understanding is it will shield the fire department and police department and public safety. Um, operations in general from having to go through any cuts. We are at a time right now where neither department can afford to be cutting back services 
or or having to pull back spending and to ensure that we're we're properly staffed, trained, and equipped. So it it is a really tough ask. The way I look at it is by putting it directly as the public safety tax. It's really it's protecting that money. It can't be used for other things. So when voters are voting on this, no, this isn't going to go to paint a mural. This isn't going to go to um, fix the sidewalks. This should go towards public safety and ensure that your fire department and your police department are properly trained, equipped, and staffed. And without the increase, you think that there'd be cuts to fire and police potentially? I, I think so. They're already looking, even with that public safety tax, it's a $3 million, $3 million that they have to cut from the budget. Without it, you're looking at $4.8 million. I don't see how um, police and fire wouldn't wouldn't be pulled into that mix if if that gets voted down. So. All right, Kyle Blake, president of the Burlington Firefighters Association. Thanks for being on the morning drive today. Thanks for all you guys do. Thanks for having women me. of the fire department. Yeah, and don't forget, we're hiring. There you go. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming in, Kyle. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Check in with Fox News. Amanda has the headlines, and uh, we've got.